during this time of year, collectively, we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus, uh, which, of course, we celebrate uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, the word Advent literally meaning arrival or the coming of someone or something. Uh, and each week, churches are reading specific passages of Scripture. So if you were on the YouVersion app, you would have seen the one that we'll be reading together this morning. And we focus on a key theme uh, each week as we read those specific uh, topics and themes in the Bible. So today we're in week two. And after looking at hope last week, today we're going to be looking at the theme of peace as it, as it uh, relates to the expected arrival of Jesus on earth. Week, week two of Advent carries this theme of, of peace, but also the theme of preparation, which I think is quite significant uh, as we consider um, our role as followers of Jesus. And here's why, you know, as we sit here this morning, and I mentioned this last week, we are actually between two Advents, aren't we? The first Advent was the birth of Christ, which took place 2,000 years ago. And we, we celebrate that from a historical perspective on Christmas Day. The second Advent, we look forward to from a future perspective, which is the return of Christ, which is closer than when we first arrived at church this morning, right? We're moving towards that second Advent. And so we're in the space in between, so to speak, those two Advents. And it's quite significant, I feel, that our theme is about peace and preparation as we consider our role as followers of Christ between those two arrivals of Christ. I guess the question is, what do we do with the concept of peace right now as we sit here while we wait for the second arrival of Jesus and celebrate his first arrival? What do we do with this concept of peace? Park that thought for a moment. I mentioned just now that uh, <clears throat> we have some gifts uh, people in church, right? Some of us are, are gifts people, some of us aren't gifts people. So who here this morning would describe themselves as a gifts person? Anyone here? would describe themselves as a gift person. Going once, I see two hands, I see three hands, I see four hands. Do I have five? Do we have six? Um, these, are, these are people that enjoy buying gifts, blessing others with gifts. They remember everyone's birthdays. They're big on anniversary. You've been shopping for Christmas since October. You, 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 you're there um, and you just, you know, it's all about the gift. Bless your hearts. You guys really do brighten up the world for the rest of us. Who here though, on the other hand, doesn't consider themselves a gift person. Anyone not consider themselves a gift person? I see sort of a fairly even spread. Okay, interesting. You know, um, you, you, you go to spa on the way home from work for the gift, you know, and get one of those 75 rand petunias, you know, and hope that you find a decent card that's addressed to your wife and not to some other person. You guys know what type of person I am now because I'm clearly speaking from first-hand experience. Um, now, who in the second category of people is also brave enough to admit that while you're not the best at getting the gift, you're very good at opening the gift? Anyone, anyone want to? All the men said, not me. Okay, well, that's me. Um, I'm definitely in that second category. The reason I ask us that question, church, is the following. You know that part of, the, part of the Christmas spirit that we're celebrating this time of year is not only the receiving of gifts, but the giving of gifts also. In fact, we know the words of Jesus himself, right, where he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So in thinking about the concept of Advent, Advent this morning, what if this festive season, you gave someone a gift that didn't just last, you know, as long as it took to unwrap it, or a year, or even two years, but something that would change their life for eternity. What if we step into the festive season with that mindset? You see, we have a role to play as followers of Jesus in between these two arrivals of Christ. And it's in that light as we consider our role 
as not only being receivers, but givers of gifts that I've entitled the message this morning, Make It Happen. And I want us to recognize that we also have a very key role to, to, to play in preparing the way for Christ, as it were, for him to arrive in the hearts of people this Advent season. Can you say amen to that? With that in mind, should we go to the key scripture for today, the one that's being read across churches all over the world? It's from the book of Isaiah. And last week we read from chapter 9. Production team is on it this morning. They're even ahead of the pastor. Uh, last week we read from chapter 9. We talked about hope. This week it's from chapter 40. It's a really well-known passage, uh, most notably for verses 31. Who can quote Isaiah 40, 31 for a free cappuccino in heaven one day? Anyone want to quote Isaiah 41? Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like hardy does. I mean, eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Yeah. So this chapter is primarily about the nature and the character of God, right? And then it, it, it ends with that wonderful promise. But this is what it says in verses three to five as the main reading for Advent week two on the theme of peace. This is what it says. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yo, you know when it ends with for the mouth of the Lord has spoken, it's like, wow, okay. This is some serious stuff. And these are some amazing, amazing, amazing words, aren't they? Um, and actually for me, in thinking about, you know, preaching on, on, on Advent for the second time, this is the second time I'm doing this series, on the concept of peace, I was like, oh, you know, hopefully I didn't say everything there was to say last week. But when I read the scripture and considered the, the, the concept of peace, I suppose you'll never really get to the end of that conversation, right, on the topic of peace. There's so much to say. There's so many uh, angles that you can take on this topic, and when you read a scripture like that, there's so much that you can unpack. Um, so I guess my goal, my one goal in sharing this message with you this morning is that you will have a greater determination to be a peacemaker in the world around you. That's my goal. So we consider where we are and the season that we're in. My, my hope is that you will have a greater determination to be a peacemaker in the world around you. Not a peacekeeper. That's something else we're going to get there, but a peacemaker. And we're going to see from this text in Isaiah and from others in Scripture, just how that is possible. By the way, Matthew 5 verse 9 is where we get this, this concept, right? Blessed are the, say it with me, peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty radical title to put on your CV, right? Son of God, because you're a peacemaker. I like that. That's the, that's the uh, indication. But speaking of that distinction then between what the Bible means when it talks about peace and what we might mean when we talk about peace in an, in an everyday conversation, and this is also, I suppose, the difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. The definition of peace, I guess, in a worldly sense, when we just talk about it in everyday conversation, usually refers to the absence of problems, doesn't it? Usually when we talk about peace, we, we are referring to the absence of some kind of a problem. For example, people might say, when you ask them how they are doing, you know, everything is fine. My kids are back at school, so there's peace in the home. You know, the absence of chaos. All the parents of toddlers said, amen. It's a wonderful time of year, but it, it's hectic. It, it's, it's stretching. Um, but people usually refer to the term or use the term peace when they, when they are referencing the absence of one or other problem, right? 
Peace between nations, something that we're praying for now, the absence of war. Peace in finances, the absence of, that's a kid saying amen in the, from the parents' lounge about the toddler thing, you see, they're hearing us. Um, peace in finances, absence of debt, right? Or the absence of bad spending habits that cause debt. <laughs> peace in relationships, the absence of conflict or betrayal or some negative behavior. Peace in health, the absence of injury or sickness. Peace at the dinner table, the absence of load shedding. No. <laughs> Remember what I said last week, pray hard, vote hard. It's the main theme of the whole Advent. <laughs> Just pray hard, vote hard. No, I'm joking. But we usually refer to peace in those terms, right? There's the absence of some problem. But, but, here's the thing. The biblical definition of peace is not about the absence of problems so much. It's more about the presence of someone. The biblical definition of peace is not about the absence of some problem. It's about the presence of someone. Despite the problem that you might be experiencing. Can you say amen to that? Peace is more about the presence of someone than the absence of something. You see, according to Scripture, true peace, biblical peace, is obtained not by running away from or being exempt from a bad situation. It's obtained through the running towards and the embracing of a perfect saviour. That's the biblical concept of peace. Biblical peace is more about holding on to a person and his promises than it is about living problem-free. And that's a very important distinction to make as we consider how we can be peacemakers this Advent season. You know, we don't want to go out into the world trying to solve everyone's problems. You're going to get very tired very quickly if you try and do that. We instead want to go out into the world telling them about the saviour of everyone who would put their trust in him. You aren't a peacekeeper by removing the world's problems. You're a peacemaker by reminding the world of God's promises. Amen. And if there was one verse, I guess, that I would use to describe this difference, it would be John chapter 16, verse 33. This is when Jesus gives his final words to his disciples before he's crucified. And he says this, I have told you these things so that in where? Me, you may have peace. How's this for a verse? You will have suffering in this world. I know no one came to church this morning to hear that you're going to have suffering in this world. I know. But this is what he's saying, right? In me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous, however. I have conquered the world. Think about the implication of those words for a moment. I have told you these things so that in your own strength, you may have peace. In your own security. In family. No, in me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, level of problems. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Christ is higher than those problems. Man, I wish someone had told me that sooner <laughs> because it would have saved me a lot of unnecessary disappointment towards God and, and, in, and in my own journey of faith. Thinking that, you know, because I'd encountered some problem or faced some challenge that either God or my faith had failed me, you know, Whereas Jesus actually says, you know, you will encounter trouble in this world. But despite the trouble, in him you may have peace. That's such an important definition. You know, becoming a Christian, friends, doesn't mean that your problems magically disappear. It means that you now have personal access to the one who is greater than any problem you might face. 
and is able to get you through even the most difficult of circumstances. That's what we are referring to when we talk about peace. Peace is not only the absence of problems, it's the presence of the Savior. In Philippians 4, let's continue with a few well-known scriptures on this. One of the most well-known passages when it, when it comes to peace. I'm sure many of us have probably quoted it or shared it with someone. Don't worry about anything. What does the word anything mean? Anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, not with demands, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what's the promise? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that verse? It's so powerful. It gives us a couple of keys, doesn't it? Um, the Old Testament word, by the way, for, for, for peace is the word shalom. Um, is it okay if we just go into a little bit of theology just for a couple of moments before I dive into three points that I want to leave you with in terms of how to be a good peacemaker this Advent season? Um, the Old Testament word for peace is the word shalom which literally means complete or whole. That's what it means. It refers to, for example, a complete stone or brick or rock uh, or wall that has no gaps in it, right? So if you saw the building of a temple, the building is shalom. It's in perfect completeness. So to bring shalom, to bring peace, is to bring completeness. You would take what's missing and restore it to wholeness. The New Testament word for peace is the word, and uh, Professor, please forgive me for my, for my, for my pronunciation here, yeah? Irene. Hope I did that okay. You can crit me afterwards. That's the Greek word. You'll find it in verses like Ephesians 2. This is what it says. Look at it. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He is our peace. Who made both groups one. <laughs> There it is. And tore down the dividing wall of hostility. You guys see the beauty of Jesus there? In Isaiah, that key passage from Isaiah chapter 40, talks about how every valley will be lifted up, every high hill leveled, uneven ground, smooth. This was written by Isaiah when the Israelites, the children of God, were in captivity in Babylon. It was a terrible time, bondage and oppression. And Isaiah saw this deliverance that would come 100 years later. And the beauty of Jesus in, in, in the parallel of the scripture is this, you know, in the same way that the Israelites were trapped and they were looking for deliverance to peace out of captivity, everyone without Christ in the New Testament is also trapped and we're also looking for peace somewhere. And just as Isaiah prophesied about the deliverance of the children of Israel, John the Baptist, who this verse is talking about when it says the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, he prophesied about the deliverance from bondage in sin to freedom in Christ for everyone. God removed all obstacles to the Israelites receiving their promised land. He now removes all obstacles for everyone receiving their salvation. Jesus has become our promised land and our shalom. Amen. Jesus himself became peace for everyone. He was the completeness. He was the missing peace that people needed to be restored back to wholeness again. He was the one that made the broken things whole. And this is the beauty of, of what we're celebrating during this time, during this theme of peace. Um, Colossians 1, I mean, just words it so beautifully. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making 
peace through his blood shed on the cross. There it is. Friends, this is how you can have peace no matter what it is that you're going through. This is how you can have peace, because you have Jesus. This is the good news of the message that Advent announces. This is the good news of the gospel that Jesus tells us, that we can have shalom, we can have completeness no matter what it is that we're experiencing. You know, friends, this is the, this is the, this is the statement. Peace has come to earth, not through the removal of a bad circumstance only, or through the leaving of a geographical location, like the Israelites went from Babylon to the Promised Land. Peace has come through the introduction of a person and through the arrival to a spiritual destination. Christ is calling the broken things home. Amen? And I guess if I could just say on a side note this morning, church, whether you're here this morning or listening uh, online, if you, if you are new to church and, and, and new to faith and haven't yet met the person of Jesus, Part of our hope, part of our prayer as a church is that you will come to know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding like that verse mentioned and that, and that you'll find that, that deep longing, that deep satisfaction for your soul that only Jesus can provide. And despite what's happening in your past or what's happened in your past or what's happening in your present, our, our, our hope is that you will find that rest. You will find that rest in Him. Jesus is enough and, and you don't have to go to another country to find that peace. <laughs> You didn't have to have everything going perfectly in your life to find that peace. All you need to do is look up and receive him. Just receive the one that scripture calls the Prince of Peace. And you will find that, that, that deep longing and, and satisfaction for your soul. Don't, don't wait until this or that stops to think you'll find peace. Just find Christ. And you'll have the peace for your soul, even if the thing that you want to stop doesn't. Because peace is not about the absence of problems. It's about the presence of a person called Jesus. Amen. So with that being said, church, I've got three points that I want to leave with us very quickly this morning as we, as we consider this concept of peace. And let's look at three ways that we can give or rather make peace this Advent season. Um, and considering, you know, this message that we are, that we are celebrating now, this is, this is our role. Not, not, not you've got peace with you always. So how do you make that peace? Well, firstly, you've got to prepare something. Firstly, you've got to prepare something. If you're the note-taking type, you can jot down point one as prepare something. You know, this idea of, of preparing the way for the Lord in this Isaiah passage is kind of a word picture of some kind. Imagine for a moment, this is what I mean. Imagine for a moment that you're sitting here in Father's House, Jeffreys Bay, and it's the year 1940. For some of us, it feels like the other day. No, joking. For others, we, were, we weren't even a thought on the radar. But suppose when you walked out of here this morning, it's the year 1940, and you've got to go to PE. You've got to travel to PE to buy groceries for the week, right? So whether or not you would have jumped on a horse in a carriage, I'm not sure. Anyone from 1940 want to guide me there? Um, but could I suggest, friends, that the N2, as we know it today, wouldn't have been around <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't have been a casual, you know, 45 minutes up the road in a polo. Everyone from VW said, Amen. I'm not even sure if there was an N2 back then. Chances are, when you walked out of here this morning, you'd probably have to take a couple of bricks with you, right? And lay them down on the road as you go. They kind of built the thing as you went. You know, there probably wasn't the dual carriageway, you know, luxury N2 like we have today. There would literally be like a dirt road or something that we would have to drive on. And as you would go, you would, you would put something down, Right? What's the, what's, the, what's the concept? Well, building a road is expensive. It is. It requires some effort. It requires some cost. 
It requires some overcoming of some obstacles. You know, you've got to battle the elements. It requires the input of an expert engineer, you know. You don't just go and sort of throw bricks down somewhere. You need someone that's got the plan, right? That's an engineer. Here's the thing on the point of preparing. Just like the Israelites had to prepare to get to where they needed to be, just like we needed to build roads to get to where we needed to be physically, God needed to prepare the road to get to where he wanted to be spiritually in our hearts. And he paid an immense price to get to where he wanted to be in our hearts, to build the highway of salvation, to reach from heaven to us and make his home in our hearts. That road cost him greatly. The engineer or the captain of our salvation was his son. And we, by grace, through faith, have received the, the, the building of a bridge from heaven to earth in and through the, the Prince of Peace that satisfies our soul. And someone, somewhere in your spiritual journey, took the time to tell you and share with you how they found Jesus on the road of their destiny. And if how you open your heart to him, you'll find the same peace for your soul as well. Friends, here's the question. Can you be a John the Baptist this festive season to someone else? And can you put down a brick to prepare the way for Jesus? To... Thankfully, we don't have to build roads anymore as we go. But spiritually speaking, as we consider that passage in Isaiah, we've got a part to play. And you know what that brick is? You know what that, what that part of the story is? It's your testimony. It's your testimony. And every time you lay a brick down in the road of someone else's life, you make the way, you prepare the way for Christ to make his heart, his home in their hearts. Amen. We've got to prepare, friends. We've got to prepare the way. Eliminate some obstacles. Take someone for a coffee. Share a story with them on what God has done in your life. Invite a friend to do a reading plan with you. Or send them a worship song. Or say, I've been thinking about you. Go and play sport with someone. Get into someone else's world. Go fishing with Duvan. Although he's already saved. So um, invite someone to come fishing with you, Duvan. Build a relationship with them. But play your part in preparing the way of the Lord to enter into their hearts this Advent season. Amen. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 6, uh, church well-known passage of scripture. Anyone know what the, what the title of Ephesians chapter 6 is? The title of this passage, the armor of God, right? For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of, the, of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens, heavy. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day. And having done everything to stand, then he lists the armor, and in all of this, by taking up the shield of faith, verse 16, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. I think I may have skipped a verse there. Verse 15. There it is. Sorry. Sorry. By fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. There it is. Fitting your feet with the good news, with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. In our role, church, let's, let's, let's adopt this all-important step of making peace wherever we go by preparing the way for someone else to receive Jesus. Amen? Secondly, we have to praise someone. We've got to prepare something. We've got to praise someone. This sounds like a simple step, doesn't it? It sounds like a very easy thing to do, but how many of us are willing to admit 
that oftentimes our first reaction when we face difficulty or stress or an uncomfortable season is to draw back. We draw back, don't we? We isolate ourselves in a way. And we move away from the very thing that was giving us life and fresh vision and perspective. It's our natural tendency. I do this so often. And we know that that approach, when we do that, only, only prolongs. It only prolongs the level of, of, of discomfort and pain even that we are experiencing. It keeps us in this unclear space. And one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that it provides help and guidance for any season of, of life that we might encounter, even those. And here's a guy who faced a pretty tricky situation, to say the least. He faced an obstacle. He faced a stressful, uncomfortable time. And look at his response in the face of adversity. And let's see, let, let, let's see if we can learn something from our dear friend Paul, who, who penned these words while sitting in a Roman prison. Right? Philippians 1. Look at, his, look at his response. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. <laughs> so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial God and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Man, talk about sharing your testimony. Talk about preparing the way. Talking about choosing to praise someone. Man, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. It's like they looked at Paul being jailed for his faith and they're like, wow, if that guy can take that level of persecution, then I can, I can, be, more, I can be more bold in the sharing of my faith too. Man, that's so encouraging. And then he goes on in Philippians 4. Some of us have probably quoted this verse as well. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help. Not that I was ever in need. How's this? For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see the context of that Verse 13 there. It's not about when you're writing exams. I can do all things. And he's like, well, just learn more and then you'll remember more. Oh, sorry, was that a bit harsh there? Still fresh exam uh, stress there in my own life. Um, it's, he's in prison. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret, friends. Whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing. Whether I'm in a good place or I'm in a bad place. Peace is not about the absence of problems. It's about the presence of a person. Rejoice always, Paul says. Rejoice always. So even if, friends, we're in that place, we can make the choice to praise someone. This is how we are good peacemakers in this season. Can you say amen to that? And then finally, we have got to persevere somewhere. We have got to persevere somewhere. We've got to prepare something. We've got to praise someone. And then you've got to persevere somewhere. This, I suppose, is one of the hardest ones, isn't it? You know, you know what the human condition of the, of the 21st century is? What's the human condition of the 21st century? Instantaneousness, right? Instagram, instant oats, instant coffee, yes, which Sean said is demonic. Please don't throw your Nescafe gold bottle at me. It's glass, it'll hurt. Um, we want everything to happen instantly, right? And if it doesn't, we tend to give up. We tend to lose heart. We check out. We get discouraged. We, we leave the race that God is calling us to run. 
we step back. And this is where, friends, we often lose the precious opportunity to be peacemakers where we are. You know, I heard, a, I received rather a very heartwarming message from uh, someone in my family. Um, I'll end with the story and, and, and then close in, close in prayer for us. Um, but I saw this message come through on Facebook Messenger, which I tend to ignore most of the time, if I'm honest, because it's either usually spam or someone asking me for money, you know. Pastor, I'm going through a difficult situation. I'll pray if you know I, I need to pay. You know, you know, by the way, you know what? Can I just give you some free advice? You know what the best way of getting them off your case is? Also ask for money. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord, I'm in this tricky spot. I need money. I'm like, oh, bro, snap, me too. Send me a 500 bucks there quickly. Never heard from them again. Blocked. Works every single time. But um, I, saw this, I saw this message come through and it was from a family member. Um, I actually shared this with the Dream Team on Wednesday night. Um, and in the message, he said, Lloyd, um, I'm not sure if you'll remember that one night in 2013, I'm like, well, he knows me well. I can't remember what happened yesterday, barely, um, let alone in 2013, 10 years ago. But he said, um, you, you know, we had the whole family over in my house and you came into my room that night because you knew I was going through this difficult place. You'd kind of checked out of the family gathering. And I said to him that Jesus will never disappoint him. Even if family members or friends have, um, Jesus will never disappoint him. He's faithful. Uh, and he went on to say, um, happened on Wednesday night too. Um, it's because it's family, you know. It, it feels, yeah, it hits, hits home. He said that his sins come to meet the Lord as his own saviour. Um, and his whole world has changed through the grace and the love of God. Um, he recently got baptized as well and he wanted to thank me for planting that seed in his heart 10 years ago. Um, even if you don't see the results now, friends, please don't ever give up planting the seeds of the gospel in the hearts of people that you meet. Start even with those in your own family. <laughs> Just keep on watering the seeds as best you can. You just don't know what fruit those seeds are going to produce in God's time. And by the way, the fact that we don't take the glory if someone is saved means that you shouldn't take the burden if someone isn't saved. Don't, don't let the question of what if it doesn't work stop you from sharing and planting a seed. Rather, rather lead with the premise of what if it does work? What if it does work? I promise you the feeling of joy will be worth more than the feeling of discomfort for those few moments when you, when you, when you plant that seed in someone's heart, when you, when, you, when you share that story. I promise you. I celebrated with, with this guy. I, just, I couldn't believe the transformation in his life. From having absolutely no direction, feeling like he's completely lost, to getting baptized in a foreign country, Nochal, overseas, finding Christ, saying his whole life has changed around, thanking me for something that I didn't even remember. But in those moments, friends, in those moments, in those moments, please never, ever forget the power of persevering. Just persevere. Um, I'm going to close with this, with this final verse. It's from 1 Corinthians 3. This is, this is so good. This is so, so, so good. This is Paul writing, right? It's our friend Paul. He's writing again to the church. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Oh, man. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth.
He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Do you know what there's wages? Eternal wages? <laughs> For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Man, that is so good. That is awesome. Friends, we, 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 we have a part to play. <laughs> in preparing the way, just like John the Baptist did for Jesus some 2,000 years ago. We've, we've got this role to be peacemakers in this season of Advent, in between these two Advents. And my hope is that we, we would have been reminded this morning of this role that we, that we get to play. Praising Christ and persevering to the end so that we will receive the harvest of righteousness that Christ has promised when He comes to redeem the whole creation. Can you say amen to that this morning, church? Could you stand with me as we pray and we close? Where's our anointed keys player? There he is. So, um, friends, I started out this morning by saying, you know, who's the, who's the uh, giving of gifts type and who's the receiving of gifts type. But irrespective of where you found yourself in those categories, my hope this morning is that you would have found a deeper, a, a deeper commitment, a deeper determination to, to live out the truth that the greatest gift you could give someone this festive season is the gift of knowing Jesus. It's, it, it will transform their life for eternity. And I suppose the summary statement of this message would be to, to make in someone else's life what you carry in Christ. Make peace. Make it. Make it happen. We are peacemakers. Amen. And Father, we thank you so much that you sent your Son, who is the Prince of Peace, to live in our hearts. Father, you, you, you built the most expensive road ever from heaven to us. It cost you your son so that we could stand free, free from accusation, free from guilt, free from sin and death because of the life of Christ. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to worry about having a lack of peace. Jesus, there's no lack in you. And when we have you, we have peace, complete peace. And so, Father, this morning, would you orientate our hearts and our minds by your Spirit to be aware of the role that we play in making peace, making Christ known wherever we go. Father, give us opportunities. Give us, give us moments to prepare. Remind us by your Spirit to praise you no matter what it is that we are going through. And, Father, give us courage to persevere. Give us courage to persevere. We we thank you now in advance for the testimonies that will come from our sowing of peace this festive season. Father, whether it takes one year, five years, 10 years, it doesn't matter. You matter. You are the one that gives the growth. Give us opportunities to plant those seeds, Father, to water them. And we thank you in advance for the testimonies that will come. And church, even just in this moment, just for one or two more minutes, if I could have that much more of your time, I feel on my heart this morning to pray for someone specifically that doesn't yet have the peace of Christ in their hearts. The way that we do that as Father's house is very, very simple. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We don't make this awkward. All I want you to do very simply where you are is just to raise your hand just long enough for me to see it and be like, you know what, that's me. I, I need to feel that deep sense of, of, of Christ's peace in my heart. And every eye is closed, every head's bowed. His hands that are going up in the building and people are receiving Christ this morning. This is it. This is not just a gift that lasts a month. This is an eternity kind of gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
And all I'm going to do, friends, is I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. And right where you're standing, you just repeat these words after me. And you can put your hands on those that have raised their hands. And church, if the rest of us also wouldn't mind just praying this prayer in support of those that raised their hands this morning, that are saying yes to Jesus. And that's amazing. This is why we exist. So could we just take a moment and on the count of three, pray this very simple prayer as your way of saying, you know what, Lord, I'm receiving you. I'm receiving you. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I acknowledge that I need you. Please forgive me for doing my own thing and sinning against you. This morning, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please come into my heart. Fill me with peace. Fill me with your spirit and make me yours. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving this morning?